Hi, you're listening to The Dive, brought to you by Living Word Press, starting right now. Hi, welcome back to The Dive q and I'm your host, Brett Yates. I'm back with Dr. Josh Waldman, Dr. Gary Yates. Guys, want to continue on with kind of the theme we had in episode one. Uh, episode two, uh, what is the fate of those who have never heard the gospel? This is, a, this is an apologetics question that how, how can you believe in a, a good God that would send millions of people to hell that have never heard uh, even about Jesus? And so that's, that's a question that's often going to be raised to, to, to Christians. But I think kind of the way this, uh, some of the viewpoints, there are some that would say, well, we believe in some sort of universalism or universal reconciliation where everyone will be saved. And so uh, that sort of takes us out of the, the equation. There's also sort of the idea of inclusivism, where people are, are saved because of the death of Christ, but they are saved by their faith in the God that they know uh, through general revelation. There are many paths. To yeah, heaven. or yeah. even the God that they know through their native religion or some other religion other than Christianity. Uh, of course, exclusivists would be those who would say that you know, salvation is only by faith in Christ, uh, by grace through faith, and uh, you know, conscious faith in, in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then some who would try to reconcile this with a sort of post-mortem opportunity. They didn't hear in this life, but in the next life, they will receive the opportunity to believe in the gospel, to respond to Jesus. So help us to just sort of uh, begin sorting through those uh, a little bit where would you where would you start trying to work through that well i think i'd start in scripture and i think you know with this topic a little bit you know uh, unlike uh, maybe the the previous question that we dealt with in episode 1 we do have some definitive passages that speak to this and so you know i think to sort of nail some 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 spikes into the ground here some definitive you know these are fundamental truths we recognize scripture teaches it is only through Christ, Christ alone, right? It is only through Christ that we can be saved and that the gospel is inherently exclusive, right? Um, that you, if you reject Christ, that's inherently problematic because you're choosing the path of destruction as we see in the gospels. So if you're choosing the path of destruction, that doesn't seem to me, I mean, you really have to bend that text, I think, um, to say that, you're just choosing it temporarily, but then after death, you're going to get this other option, right? That uh, you'll finally... I just don't see that anywhere in Scripture. Right. Uh, that argument can certainly be made, and in, in fact has, but but again, I, I don't think that that's sort of a natural reading of any of the, of the prominent texts here, that if it, the gospel is inherently exclusive, uh, that it is in Christ alone, then therefore it cannot be a universal sort of thing. It would have to be in and through Jesus... And I think you know you've got to you've got to deal with that in some kind of way. Now, the the real issue here, I think, the heart of the question for most people is: Is it fair that God would condemn people who have never been given an offer to be redeemed? Like that's really the apologetic question here. Right. So, you know, what do you think about that? Is it fair that that God would condemn people that have never heard or been given an option to to hear the gospel? I, I think, um, you know, if we think about fairness, it would it, it seems unfair of God to condemn people for not believing in Christ if they've never heard of him. But there's really, we have to step back and say that, you know, all of humanity as sinners 
uh, are really condemned because we reject the knowledge of God uh, that's given to us in general revelation itself. Right. And so the, the tribesman or the person in a 1040 window country that's never heard of Jesus, they may not be guilty of rejecting Christ, but they're guilty of rejecting that knowledge of God that is freely given to them in general revelation. And, you know, we have passages like Psalm 19, uh, Romans chapter 1 that talks about, you know, there's, there's things about God's attributes and nature and eternal power that can be known through the creation. But instead of accepting that, what we've done is we've turned around and worshiped the creation rather than the creator. So ultimately, all of us uh, are guilty for rejecting that uh, rejecting that knowledge of God, and and that becomes a basis of judgment. Right, exactly. So you know we can we can be redeemed by virtue of accepting the gospel, but we're not condemned by not hearing it. Right, and that's that's a very important distinction here. We're condemned on the basis of our sin, which can include a rejection of the gospel, but it, it doesn't it doesn't include not hearing it. And so. Um, Romans 1 makes that point pretty clear that we can, by natural revelation alone, as you mentioned, we can make all sorts of conclusions about who God is, that he exists first and foremost, but about who he is and what he requires of us by virtue of being his creation. And so uh, given that we're his creatures and this is his universe, we're accountable to those moral laws that are just implicit within nature itself. Uh, And so the fact that we reject him, the fact that we choose to sin, uh, that means that we therefore face those consequences. So yeah, I think that's an important piece to this whole conversation from an apologetic standpoint. People are not condemned because they're not they don't hear the gospel. They're condemned because of the sin that they should have known better. And there's there's no one wherever they uh, are are born or grew up that does not have a knowledge of God innately within them, because that's that's there in the creation itself. Exactly. And so people are accountable to the revelation that they've received. Something we talked about earlier, and I wanted to know kind of your thoughts on this. In, in a way, someone that grows up in a Baptist church, let's say it's Living Word Baptist Church in Forest, Virginia, and spends their whole life just going to church because their family goes to church, but yet they say, no, I don't want that for myself. In some way, like they're, they're more accountable than the person that's in the 1040 window that's never heard the gospel. And in some ways, their sin is perhaps even worse, would we say? I, yeah, I think there's a greater level of condemnation because of everything that they have rejected. And and I think Jesus even brings that out when he talks to people that you know saw his miracles, heard his message. He says, it's going to be more tolerable for these pagan cities like Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. Because you've gotten a very clear revelation of the truth, you've rejected it and you've turned away from it, and um, yeah, yeah, that, that that means your judgment is greater. You incur a greater judgment. Yeah, boy, that's a sobering thought. It is. Now, one one question I wanted to ask you about general revelation. You know, Romans seems to indicate that we we as 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 humans typically reject that. What what do you think of the possibility of someone accepting that general revelation, believing in God? What what happens to them, or um, how would you how would you respond to that? Yeah, so a lot of caveats here. Uh, first and foremost, <laughs> yeah, it's through a real hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, this is a hypothetical. So hypothetically, can someone live a good, moral, righteous life and be in fine standing with God? Like, can that? 
can that happen on the basis of, of natural revelation? And I say, on the, hypothetically, all of the information is there for someone to, in fact, live that good life and be in right standing with God. All of the revelation that's required to allow that to happen is present. The problem is that no one does. I mean, you know, no, no man seeks after God. No one is righteous. No, not one. These kinds of statements are given to us in Scripture. And because of the sin nature, there's this inherent barrier, at least in, in my understanding and sort of uh, theological approach, there's an inherent barrier where people aren't necessarily pursuing God unless God does something in their life uh, to, to draw them to himself. And so uh, I would say that hypothetically, if you have someone in the middle of the rainforest with no access to the gospel and they, they look outside and they say there's an inherent beauty to creation, there is an inherent good that's built into this universe, I want to pursue the God of all of that. I would say that God is working in that person's life and that you know God's messenger is going to come on the coattails of that sort of drawing that's going to provide a message about Yahweh. But but again, that's a lot of caveats and hypotheticals right. in there. Right, and, and I think uh, even God's ability to reveal to people like that through visions and dreams, if that were to happen, right. uh, we, we obviously don't have a chapter and verse, but I, I think God is able to communicate himself in that way and make mm -hmm. himself known. I, you know, I've known Muslim missionaries that will talk about the fact that they don't know of anyone that's made a personal decision for Christ apart from some sort of like revelation or vision of Jesus. So if God can do that to people that have not known about Jesus because of you know, their, their uh, you know, other religions, uh, God obviously may be able to do that for others that have never heard of Christ and that sort of thing. But again, we just we don't know uh, the result and the outcome there. That's right. I mean, you know, Jesus shows up on the road to Damascus for Paul in a very striking way. I don't see any reason he couldn't do something similar for others throughout church history. Right. So um, even if it's in dreams and visions, and so I think that the the Lord can overcome uh, that sort of rebellion. Uh, by revealing himself to people in a variety of different circumstances and contexts. And in such a powerful way mm -hmm. that it overcomes their resistance to belief and that sort of thing. Obviously, I don't think Paul is a seeker right. uh, as he's heading down the road there when God right. uh, blinds him with the light. I, there, there's there's um, just some other mm -hmm. examples and people that we might talk about. This is a this is different from our discussion of infants who have never heard, right? Because an infant who has never heard obviously can be saved. We we talked about uh, without faith in Christ, but the difference is an infant has not sinned in a way that brings personal condemnation and judgment, where that is not true. Uh, of the person who is an adult or makes moral conscious choices to either reject God or to commit sinful acts, those, those two things are not equivalent to each other. I think that's right. That's an important distinction. Yeah. Um, and I think we could go back to uh, often inclusivist who see, you know, if you just, uh, the faith principle saves, whether it's in Jesus or God or the God that you know through your religion, they will often go back to some Old Testament examples you know, someone like Melchizedek, who is this, uh, you know, lives in Jerusalem and knows the same God as Abraham. But there, it's not just a, a God, I think, that he knows through some sort of general revelation. I, I would see Melchizedek, you know, having special revelation of the true God 
like Abraham did. Uh, they they know Yahweh, right? And it, it wasn't just uh, he has some sort of general faith or belief uh, in uh, you know a deity that is out there. And that Yahweh sort of has done something special in those individuals' lives that has right. caused them to then exercise right. faith. And and Naaman, you know, for example, he's heard about the God of Israel. He's been healed. He's He's seen this God work in some distinctive, special way. Uh, I think that's more than just simply responding to general revelation and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. yeah. What about Cornelius over in Acts chapter 10? And, oh, what's your take? Uh, well, my take again is he, he already knows the one true God. Mm-hmm. And he's living in this time of transition where to the fullness of that, he needs to know uh, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for him. And, uh, but I, I, again, this is more than just uh, a, a, moral, uh, a morally upright pagan person who believes in a deity. Like he knows the God of Israel and has come to know this personal God in a, through, through special revelation. I think that's right. I think that's the answer to, to, the, to the question. Okay. All right. Any other hypotheticals and uh, all that? And, and, you know, to be fair with inclusivists, they would say people are saved by the blood of Christ, the death of Christ. Without the specificity of knowing that they're being saved right. by the blood of Christ. And I think that's inherently the problem is why not just leave them to their, their pagan religion at that point if they're going to be saved in and through Christ anyway? Like it, it really undercuts evangelism in the Great Commission in my mind. Yeah, it almost in a sense, um, and and you know those that hold to this position would adamantly argue against this. Yes, they would. But I think um, you know someone who commits their life to going to a place where people have never heard of Jesus, would it be better for them to just have their eternal fate rest on whether they believed in this you know deity that's out there? Or are they losing the opportunity post-mortem to hear about Jesus right. because now you've made them morally accountable for accepting or rejecting Jesus? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, when I see the, the claims or the preaching of the gospel in Scripture, I, I see ultimatums. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't see, you know, hey, you can continue worshiping your Roman deity and you'll be fine in the end. That's not what I see. I see you need to cast down these false gods and follow the one true God if you don't want to be condemned. Yeah. So I, I just can't get around that kind of language in yeah. order to the, the times of ignorance yeah. are have ended. Right. And even when Paul is talking to this pagan audience in Athens, like, hey, you guys haven't you're saved. You believe in the unknown God. You've mm-hmm. come to know him through general revelation. The time of ignorance has ended, and now mm-hmm. God is demanding that. Uh, all repent and believe. And you started out with those verses uh, that talk about the exclusivism of, you know, Jesus. And uh, he's the only way to the Father. Uh, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. John three eighteen. those that believe in Christ have life. Those that do not believe are condemned. Right. Um, those, are, those are the verses that I think ultimately, uh, that's, that's what I'm hinging my understanding of this issue on. And, and just the necessity of believing in Christ in order to experience salvation. Amen. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, what I really take away from it is the burden of you have to know who Christ is. He's the only way to salvation. And again and again, we, we get to that, right? And often it could be through revelation, but more, more likely it's through his church. 
uh, and the Great Commission and us fulfilling that. And, and so the burden is really on us to, to, to continue to share that message. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Guys, yeah, that's a takeaway. Yeah, guys, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the dive. 